We get a little introspective this time, looking at what's stressful about contest operating and how de-stressing it really is. And we'll talk about contest too. That's the direction we're heading in episode 22 of Zone Zero. 5432 one. You're listening to Zone Zero Zero Zero. Welcome to Zone Zero. If you're new to the podcast, it's pretty much a radio contester's diary. I'm Bud VA7ST, and for years I've been keeping notes about my contest experiences, and that morphed into this irregular set of audio diary entries. I know lots of fellow contesters are just like me, and I also know how useful it can be for new contesters to hear what others have experienced. I thought this time out we'd consider some of the virtues of contesting that have little to do with competing, and everything to do with well-being, and what our fun pastime, this avocation of the air, does for us. If you work in a high-stress environment, or maybe you're a particularly high-strung retiree for that matter, ham radio may be one of the best stress reduction therapies out there short of walking your dog or going fishing, unless you have an unwalkable border collie like ours or my luck with the fish, and then contesting is definitely time better spent. When I have a moment of spare time, I find it quite relaxing to just sit and listen to people chat, whether that's using Morse code or phone or even digital modes like teletype or PSK. There's something mesmerizing about a CWQ or so underway. Like the beer ads once said, those who like it, like it a lot. And then I go and screw it all up by being a contester. Talk about self-inflicted stress. Now, I'll admit there are times when being in a contest makes me nervous or downright angry. When Europeans are piled up on top of me and I can't work them fast enough for their comfort, I get anxious. Now, imagine that happening on two bands at the same time with an SO2R setup. And then there are those times when some lid parks on top of me and thinks he's going to outbid me for the frequency. That's stressful because it wastes my time, bothers the callers trying to reach me, and it slows down the rate. But I also know I'll rarely lose a frequency fight with an interloper. I don't obsess about holding a frequency as I know most of the time interference is not intentional, and many times I'm the low power guy the other guy probably can't hear. But I do have a secret weapon in those instances, and that's the sustained pressure of all the stations trying to work me. Maybe I'm lucky. The VE7 or BC multiplier is pretty valuable in most contests. People want it more than the other guy's multiplier, and they eventually drown out and chase away persistent irritants. People that are co-located right on top of me. Stress relieved. I find the weekend flies by if I'm in a contest. I get into flow, and I don't think about work for hours at a time, and certainly not nearly as often as I do without a contest to focus on. But perhaps the greatest anxiety reducer, for me anyway, is social interaction, being with other people, and in particular, others who share your interests or a common goal. During any one contest, you might spend five seconds in contact with a fellow contest operator, making your exchanges. But over a lifetime of contesting, you begin to feel a strong sense of kinship with your competitors. Now, I could offer a long list of people that I have never met, maybe have never said more than a brief hello to on the air, but I consider them friends and I'd miss them if they weren't out there sharing the experience with me each weekend. They don't know it, but I smile to myself every time I work fellows like John, W9ILY. We've worked literally hundreds of times over the years, even when he was in PJ4. 
John's one of the first guys I made a contest QSO with when I got back into contests in 2002, and he's been there almost every time out in the 16 years since. I don't know John, but I consider him much more than an acquaintance. He's a colleague in a common pursuit. And that's a pretty wonderful feeling. Now, multiply it by hundreds, because John is far from alone on my list of people I don't know, but with whom I share a special sense of camaraderie. Don, K0FX. John, K4BAI. Tim, N6GP. Aldo, YV5AAX. Or Phil, GU0SUP. And so many others. They light up my day when we work and get to say hello one more time. If I hadn't been hooked by contesting as a teenager, I wouldn't still be at it. And I wouldn't have those frequent moments of warmth on the air. And I wouldn't have the other things that have come to be so valuable in my radio life. The people who have indeed become close friends through visits and long emails and phone calls about our antennas and kids and graduation and illness and plans for next weekend. And yes, through those short, almost meaningless contest QSOs. I don't underestimate the power of such simple interactions. We do call it contact for a reason. And it feels really good. Stress relieved. So, with that said, I'm really looking forward to all the contacts we'll be making in the next two big contests on the event calendar. CQ Worldwide SSB and CW. Just saying those names gives me an endorphin rush. But I suspect I'll be almost comatose by the end of both contests. Now, let's look ahead. And in contesting, the best way to do that is to look behind us. Combing through the archives of my CQ Worldwide reports over the years, I see that in the SSB contest, I made 1,200 contacts last year in 2017. That was despite last year being about as poor solar cycle-wise as we're seeing right now. In the peak solar years, I was running about 1,600 to 1,800 contacts in the SSB contest. So 1,200 contacts again this year is a pretty realistic target for me. In terms of score, though, there's a huge difference these days. Sure, there's still lots of contacts to be had, but multipliers will be way down from the peak years prior to 2015. My best ever score in CQ Worldwide SSB was 1.7 million points in 2013, five years ago. But last year, I ended up with only 450,000 points, or less than a third of my best ever score. That precipitous drop is mostly due to the lack of multipliers. You just can't work as many countries and zones right now as we once could, because the wheels have fallen off a couple of bands, 15 meters and 10 meters to be exact. For many of us, the higher HF bands are simply out of commission. Last year, which will be about the same as this year, I noted that 15 meters surely made the difference in competitive scores from far out west where I am. Those who found the brief openings got a real boost. Even I got to work some Europeans in the SSB contest on 15 meters, but will I this year? Those who found any openings at all on 10 meters did even better, but I didn't hear a peep up there any time I listened around. Last November, I put in my longest ever CQ Worldwide CW session. 37 hours is one more hour than I managed in 2012, which was my previous Iron Pants record for this contest. Thanks to some shortest naps at just the right time, and not sleeping a lot longer than I had anticipated, I didn't feel too beat up at the finish line but I recall needing a lot of coffee through the weekend. I went into last year's CW contest with a simple and probably too lofty goal of 1,500 QSOs, 150 multipliers, for a 500,000-point score. Going unassisted, I figured a lot of malts would be left on the table. Well, I managed to finish 
with 1,989 contacts, 228 multipliers, and a final score of 970,000 points. That was way above my goal, so I was pretty happy. I didn't expect the bands to be as strong as they turned out to be, and I'm expecting very little from any band above 20 meters this year, though it could be proven wrong, especially in the CW contest late in November. 15 meters surprised me on CW last year, with almost 300 contacts, and actually quite a few European countries and more zones than 80 meters offered. So, not too bad at all at the bottom of the solar cycle. The keys to success are almost always the same. Be on the air, pushing hard the whole time, and don't miss short band openings. <laughs> okay, I love this stuff. I hope it doesn't show too much. One of the coolest things about ham radio is the constant stimulation it provides. Just when you've done everything you thought you'd ever be interested in doing, you discover some new aspect to delve into. And for me, over the past few years, that has been VHF activity. Mostly 6 meters, but also some 2 meter operation. Now, the reason we've gone two months between Zone Zero episodes is pretty simple. I was busy with a project, and a really neat one. Back in September, I learned that one of the biggest 6-meter signals from British Columbia, John VE7DAY, was selling his 7-element 6-meter Yagi for a quarter of what it would cost to buy one and ship it to Canada. An email or a phone call or two later, and we had the sale done. Now, John's a long way from me. It takes five hours of driving plus nearly two hours on a ferry each way to get there and home. So, one day after work, I hopped in the SUV and I set out on my little road trip. Very late that night, I got to visit with my parents, who live just an hour from John's place, and the next morning, Dad and I drove the final leg up to collect the antenna. Now, it's a 30-foot boom, and with John's help, we had disassembled the whole thing and we got it all into the back of my SUV. By midnight that day, I was back home, and in the next morning, I rebuilt the antenna, put it on a pair of sawhorses in the backyard, and I made my first 6-meter contact with the new antenna. And appropriately, that was with VE7DAY via Meteor Scatter, with the antenna 3 feet off the ground. As of last weekend, it's up on my tower at the bottom of the antenna stack at about 30 feet in the air. And while conditions haven't been much good in the time I've been using it, I'm hearing stations that I simply couldn't hear with the four-element antenna I was using until now. And come spring and summer next year, when e-skip returns and VHF contest season's upon us, I think we'll have a total blast on six meters. John tells me he even worked Europe on that antenna with 100 watts, so that's something I'll have to try from here, although I'm really not holding out much hope for that. You can see the new six-meter antenna and check out the post on my website. You can get there from the show notes for this episode at zone.va7st.ca or go directly to va7st.ca And as a side note, if you're into the newest digital modes, keep watching for the upcoming full release of WSJT-X version 2 software. It has some great new features for FT8 and MSK144 modes, such as exchange formats supporting quite a range of HF and VHF contests. But a word of caution... Some of the new features in version 2 aren't backwards compatible with earlier versions, so Joe Taylor, K1JT, and the Amazing Development Group are helping to get everyone quickly migrated to the latest software to avoid confusion on the bands. And hey, how about that Macrothin contest, or in my case, a half Macrothin? Before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, mention the always great Macrothin Ritty. It was this weekend, and it was a lot of fun running low power to see how many points I could make. The exchange is a grid square, and you get a point for every kilometer between you and the station you're working. 
I only put in a few casual hours, five hours in total, missing the first of the three eight-hour segments, but I had a great time without the added stress of running an amplifier. On Ritty, pushing the amplifier can be stressful. You never know if you're going to blow up a tube. I made half a million points last year with low power, and this weekend was even worse with just 314,000 points using 100 watts. That's a long way down from the 3.3 million points in my peak outing back in 2013, though I was using high power that year. Sadly, I ended up with only two Europeans in the log on 20 meters this weekend, which is really sad because they're valuable at 8,000 points each. As the Shirelles once told us, Mama said there'd be years like this. And finally, notes from listeners. I want to say special thanks to a new friend, Kieran, VU2XE in India. He wrote about listening to the podcast after discovering it while looking at some of the half-square and other vertical array antenna projects on my main website, va7st.ca. Kieran's an active contester running a hex beam, a spider beam, and verticals. I've used all three of those antennas here at VA7ST, and he should be doing really well with that setup and so many great options to turn to. In the upcoming CQ Worldwide contest, watch for Kieran using the special call sign Alpha Tango 3 Alpha. Namaste, Kieran, and thank you all for checking in. If you'd like to share something about your contesting setup or experiences or thoughts about what we're doing here, just send me a note at bud at va7st.ca. That's it for this episode of Zone Zero. Now let's go get them. I'll see you out there. <laughs>